Welcome to the Athens Frontline, a podcast presented by the Red and Black that covers topics in health and wellness. I'm your host, Simran Kaur Malhotra, here to discuss the debate behind universal healthcare, how Athens Nurses Clinic helps the underserved community, and how free clinics work. With Paige Cummings. Support for this podcast is provided by the Cox Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership. For more information, visit grady.uga.edu slash Cox Institute. Paige Cummings is the Executive Director of Athens Nurses Clinic, a nonprofit health clinic for uninsured residents of Athens and the surrounding counties. She graduated from the Medical College of Georgia School of Nursing and entered the Navy Nurse Corps. Paige has also worked with the Red Cross Blood Services coordinating the implementation of the community fixed collection sites. Hello, Paige. How are you today? It is a beautiful day outside, so I'm going to ignore the fact it's going to get cold tonight and just say I'm doing great. (laughs) All right. That is a great way to look at every single day, I feel like, during January and February. Uh, Georgia's weather is all over the place. You get, what, all four seasons in a day? In a day. In a day. day. And now we're going to have tornadoes, so we can (laughs) add that to our... Yeah, they had like a drill outside. I was coming out of the Ramsey Student Center, and I got kind of scared. Well, everybody that knows about it, which should be everybody because it comes out on your Nix alert on your phone, uh-huh. should step outside and see if they hear the sirens. And mostly <laughs> they can't hear the sirens, so we just go on the ground anyway. Right, right. Well, let's get started. I know that we are sitting in a free clinic right now. And by the way, everyone listening to this, this is my first time interviewing on a podcast in person, which is really awesome because I've been able to see kind of how the clinic works, how it looks like, and it's a different point of view. It's better than kind of sitting, you know, behind a screen. It's new, but I know that we're all fresh. We're all safe. What is a free clinic page exactly to its core? And how does ANC run, you know, being free and and, and it's not like government funded? Oh, don't I wish. Um, A free clinic is one in which the, the patient is not charged. They're not charged to be seen. They're not charged to get medications. They're not charged to do their lab work, Um, but, and here's the caveat on that, every free clinic is going to be a little bit different. One of our founding missions when we first set up this clinic 30-something years ago was that patients would never have to pay for anything. But when I go to the Georgia Charitable Care Network Conference for free and charitable clinics, or the director's conference, I find that every free clinic does it a little bit differently. Some clinics cannot afford to give away medications, so they will write $4 scripts at the closest place, and the, the patient will have to pay the $4. Some, hospital, some of the hospitals uh, may have a connection with the local clinic in their area and do free lab work. So everyone's going to be different, but the the critical thing is we don't charge people for any service. And how many services you can give just depends on what you're able to bring in. In Georgia right now, there are, I think Donna told us, 101. But with COVID, some of the smaller ones that can't get funding are starting to close down. As we see more and more hospitals having to close because of Medicaid, Medicare funding, 
and funding gaps, and we've lost, I think, six in the last 10 years, usually in rural areas where people can't get any kind of health care, free clinics become more necessary. There's also something called a charitable clinic. A friend of mine, Greg Lang, over in Gwinnett County, runs two of those. A charitable clinic is where you are charged, but it is much lower than you would be charged in a standard practice, and they have special discounted medications and lab work for you to have. So they can take people who may not make it in some free clinic. Maybe they make a little bit more than you're allowed to do in a free clinic. He can still see them and then charge them a small amount. Most free clinics run under the you have to make less than 150% of the federal poverty level as a guideline. You can't have any, any other kind of insurance, so you can't have Medicare or Medicaid or small private insurance. They'll come in, they'll say, oh, but my insurance doesn't cover this. Well, unfortunately, the rule is if you have insurance, we can't treat you. It really messes up the computer system. How do we operate? Well, when we started, it was all volunteer. Uh, this was 30-something years ago, and some nurses from the different hospitals, when they were out doing community health screenings and community functions, they noticed there was a certain population that had no place to go if something tested abnormally, high blood pressure, high blood sugar. And they would always say, you need to go see your, your family practice doctor. And if you're not insured, there was no place for them to be. So they created the Athens Nurses Clinic. And it was first, it was one evening a week, and then it became two evenings a week. And then we got really busy and had to move sites because we were open three full days a week and then four with the fifth for dental. And uh, we had a excellent support from Athens Regional Medical Center and from uh, St. Mary's. We got excellent support from the local residents who were so happy that we were setting this up. We also have grants, and we put in for all kinds of training programs. We take care of uh, nursing students and health promotion students come and learn, and then people, their parents sometimes, will send us donations. And then we have our various fundraisers. Our biggest one is tomatoes at Terrapin, where you come out to Terrapin and drink cold beer and eat fresh tomato sandwiches and listen to the band and the tomato sandwiches. Everything's donated by Athens-Clark County, so it's just wonderful. But that's how we have to struggle. And with COVID, we had a big problem in that our primary hospital funder became financially unstable and told us they couldn't do any community funding again. So right in the middle of this, we lost a huge amount of funding and we have had to change our hours and change the number of days we're open and change some of the ways that we distribute medications or how often we do lab work. Yeah, I know that you are only open for three days a week, um, which was something that I found really interesting and I figured it's because of all of these changes and for the safety. So how has it been for the clinic during the pandemic? Well, we only changed to the three days because we lost funding support. Normally, we were open Monday through Thursday with Friday Dental. Um, for the pandemic, we were keeping a really close eye on all of the health news coming out of CDC, coming out from Dr. Fauci. We were prepared for something. I don't think any of us thought it was going to be quite as bad as a pandemic. Some of us are really old. That's one of the problems at the clinic. A lot of us are already retired and we're doing this just because we want to help. 
and we've been through versions of pandemics before. Some full blast, some not so full blast. Some have heard it. My mother was a nurse at um, Crawford Long Hospital when we had the polio epidemic. And so she ran a ward that had 40 white lung children in there. And so we've heard what could happen. So we were prepared. Patients had to go we went to telehealth for the first two months. Then we went to, um, you can stay in your car and we'll lean in your car and check your lungs and your ears and your heart and see you. And then it reached the point where we just started letting patients come back under restrictions. When you came in the door, you got your temperature taken. You had to wear a mask, you had to wear gloves. We made the restriction that you had to be vaccinated. That was to protect not just the patients, but to protect the other patients who might be here and to protect our staff and from our staff taking something home to their families. So without the money, once uh, the hospital had to cut it back, we had to look at other ways to make up a fairly significant drop. So the first thing we had to do was drop days. And since patients weren't coming in as obviously as they had been before, because they were afraid too, and they were staying home. So we went to three days and then we cut back an hour on the bottom. And then we started researching other things we can do. We looked at how do we do our labs? Do we need to change the frequency of some of our labs? Are there some of those labs that are being done because someone decided this would be a good thing to check for, like um, vitamin D levels? Well, <laughs> everybody's going to be low in vitamin D. So we, we made a lot of changes, and we're, we're, we got the um, Payroll Protection Act twice, and we got some extra money. So we have, have still made it, but we're, we're skating. We're, we're doing the best we can to keep raising money. Right. Um, and it looks like everything goes really well, you know, all these three days and everybody knows what they're doing, making sure that everybody's staying safe. Now, as an executive director for the last 12 years for this clinic and now having to see a pandemic, kind of the worst of it, what have your thoughts been on universal health care or health care being a right? Okay, now here's my secret. Have you ever seen those little flyers that come up on Facebook or somewhere and it said, I was x many days old when i learned that there's a pop out on a turkey right right okay i was 52 years old when i learned that everybody wasn't entitled to automatic health care grew up as a child of a doctor got all health care went to nursing school got health care joined the navy where everybody gets health care when i retired i got military health care so it wasn't until I was working for the Red Cross and one of my technicians was in tears and I asked her what was wrong and she said, well, when she takes out her health care insurance where she covers herself, her husband, her 18-month-old, and her 12-year-old, it takes up almost half of a paycheck. And her husband worked in real estate so didn't bring in a steady check. And I said, well, can't you go get Medi-Cal? Because that's what we had in California. Mm -hmm. And she looked at me like I had lost my mind. Mm -hmm. And I did a little research and I discovered that Georgia is real stingy about giving Medicaid. And if everybody was entitled to health care, if all of our indigent patients who currently aren't entitled to Medicaid could get Medicaid, we would have much better health rates. We would have people who got tested and discovered they had diabetes before it was so bad they were losing fingers and toes and parts of their kidneys. 
We would have people who could be tested and treated on a routine basis for their high blood pressure before the pressure knocked out their kidneys, threw them into dialysis, and maybe made them go blind. We would have children who are getting routinely taken care of. We would have people getting regularly screened dental care. Universal health care is not the bugaboo people try to think it is. And I know they go, oh, well, military health care is so terrible. I'm sorry. I worked in military, military health care. I think military health care is great. It provides you what you need when you need it. Now, just like in Canada, if you want to have plastic surgery, you may have to wait a little while. But I knew plastic surgeons in the military, and when we were between conflicts, they did things like facelifts and nose jobs because they had to keep their skills in place. But if you have a critical issue, or if it's standard routine primary care, you got exactly what you needed when you needed it. So I think universal health care, or at least expanding Medicaid in Georgia, is really, really necessary. Of course, I won't have a job, but that's okay. I'm ready to retire. So what do you have to say to those type of people who say, you know, if you make healthcare all right and you make it universal and all of this type of stuff, not only are you taking jobs, but you're essentially trading, telling all these healthcare workers that they're they're slaves now. Like, what do you have to say? Because you've been working in this industry of free clinic and, and free healthcare and making sure that you're following essentially Hippocratic Oath, whoever needs health gets healthcare. Um, what do you have to say to those people who are totally against universal health? I think the people who are against universal healthcare are not the healthcare providers because they know the benefit and it's not the teachers. And it's, I'm not sure why some people think that everybody doesn't need to have health care. And many of those people who say that don't believe in universal health care, but they can't afford to get health care themselves. And that's why it becomes so strange. When the Affordable Care Act was put in place, every state that didn't already have full Medicaid was offered this ability to provide full Medicaid. Up until those days, up until the Affordable Care Act took place, there was something that we referred to as the Internet Care Discretionary Fund, and it was money that was sent to the state from the federal government to be sent out to the hospitals to be dispensed for those who had a disproportionate care of patients that were uninsured. And what people don't know is that money stopped when the Affordable Care Act took place because it was assumed that every state would go to affordable health care for everyone, which means Medicaid for anyone who is indigent. And it cut back every year till it was all gone. They would have given us enough money to cover 95% of the additional cost of going to Medicaid for everybody you know, under universal health care. And they thought that was a bad idea because we could lose a lot of money. Well, we didn't lose a lot of money. We're losing a lot of money now because hospitals aren't staying open. And we have people who are at the point, unless they can find a free clinic or, strangely enough, the rare health department that actually does patient care these days. So what happens is they get sicker and sicker and sicker. So when they go to the hospital, it ties up an emergency room bed and then frequently an intensive care unit bed requires emergency surgeries. When if they had been followed from the beginning, it would have been caught at an early step. Diabetes could have been caught where we could control it with oral medications, diet, and exercise. Instead, it's they're coming in because they're at such a point, they're in a coma. Don't know why Georgia didn't go for this, but we're one of only 11 states that have still not expanded 
to the full Affordable Care Act and Medicare for, Medicaid for everyone who needs it. And we need to. Now, there's some people who also say that if there is universal health care in America, that it gives an excuse to those who are possibly homeless or don't make as much money to get what they need for their health care, but not exactly get a better job or get the education that they need. Now, my personal view is that without health, you don't have anything. You don't have those opportunities for better resources, for better tools, for better education, for better uh, jobs that can get you insurance, things like that. But I know that you were mentioning, you know, helping nursing students out and things like that. What kind of tools and resources does Athens Nurses Clinic provide that helps people who are from the underserved community in Athens get those resources and tools to not only get the healthcare they need, but the education they need for prevention and the jobs that they should be getting for higher pay? Well, the Nurses Clinic is really pleased to serve on a lot of different uh, groups and coalitions. We work with the Athens Area Homeless Coalition, with what was the Northeast Georgia Homeless Coalition. We work with multiple different groups. So we can provide not only health care, but we have uh, a woman who comes over every month from Georgia Cares to talk to our 64-year-olds about, okay, now you're rolling into Medicare. This is what that means, and this is how you can get the additional gap coverage. We have a different schools who come over. They bring students. They do tutoring. They do um, job education. We work with anybody to try to get our patients who don't have jobs. And a lot of them are handicapped. they technically handicapped. They, they can't work. A lot of them are in the 50 to 60 range, and they've worked all their lives at minimum wage jobs, so there's no savings and never a chance to go to school. But we bring in people who offer things like um, how to plan out your month of food on your $182 in food stamps. I'm sorry, my son eats $182 a week when I go shopping for him <laughs> at Fresh Market. But if you have somebody who's never been able to show you this, and they can do it and help you see foods that are less expensive, but just as filling. Um, we have people who work on literacy. We have um, bring in teams from Athens Tech. They come over and do our dental hygiene. Dental hygiene is critical when your mouth is grungy and you've got broken teeth and you haven't seen a dentist in 20 years. It puts a really big social and economic impact on you because you can't you're embarrassed to go look for a job because your mouth looks so bad and smells so bad. So we're happy to help them. We're happy to help nursing students. We work with all levels of students in different programs at the University of Georgia. And almost everybody who comes here, when they finished their training time with us, the, the most common feeling they have is, we didn't know this existed. We didn't know people lived like this. When they do the intake forms and they say, how much money do you make? And the person says, none. I get this much help for housing. I get this much in food stamps. And maybe my family or I work under the table for $100 a month. And that's all they have and they're living on. And students leave with such an increased awareness of the world around them. My son, I shouldn't bring him up again, but I will. He was coming out to the clinic and he was driving down the greenway and he comes in and he goes, Mom, what? There's a place that takes care of homeless people down on the corner. I said, I know, it's called Bigger Vision. It's two blocks down on the right. Mm -hmm. He said, yeah, but there were homeless tent encampments up and down the greenway. Do you know how many people there are? Uh, yeah, there were uh, 261 homeless at the last point in time count. And he looked at me like, 
How did you know that? Well, that's what the free clinics do as we work with human and economic development, as we work with the Athens Area Council on Aging, as we work with the uh, Homeless Coalition. We look at what are the needs in the community and how can we all get together to try to help improve those. And for us, the basic one is providing primary health care so that we can either improve their health or at least sustain the level where they are. That is amazing. It really encompasses and shows, you know, it's a, it's a role model of why healthcare workers should partner with policymakers versus, you know, them going at each other's necks or anything like that, which is something we've definitely seen during the pandemic. Well, Paige, I really appreciate you taking out the time to talk to me. Um, and I hope that the Athens Nurses Clinic is, is getting better as a pandemic. It seems to be getting better, knock on wood, um, because you deserve all the grants, all the donations, everything that you can get to keep doing the work that you, you have been doing. Well, thank you. And if they want to donate to us, they can go to PayPal and look for Athens Nurses Clinic. Perfect. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Athens Frontline podcast presented by The Red and Black. I'm your host, Simran Kaur Malhotra. Make sure you tune back in next week for our next episode. Until then, check us out on social media at Red and Black. Have a healthy and safe rest of your week.